host of Feminist Buzzkills Live and founder and chief creative officer of Abortion Access Front, the producers of Operation Save Abortion. I'm so stoked you are jumping in to get more involved in abortion justice. OpSave, as we like to call this series, was originally done as a live stream training day with breakout sessions in between each panel discussion. If you want to see the videos, they're all up at OperationSaveAbortion.com. Now we've adopted that training day into this five-part podcast series, so folks have options to listen and learn in the medium they prefer. But I want to be clear, this isn't a podcast series that you'll listen to while you're cleaning out your closet. This is an interactive series. So you should probably listen up and you need to do some preparation. You might not listen to it today right now, but get together with your friends and make a plan to really do the work. So here's an overview and some tips to get the most out of your experience. First off, gather a crew of folks to listen to each episode who are fired up and ready to learn about abortion activism and who are ready to take action. Because each episode has a post-episode activity guide that you can find at operationsaveabortion.com or in our show notes. This activity guide will help you engage in discussions and activities relevant to each of the panel episodes. So listening and then interacting after, it's sort of like a book club, but with activities and direct actions that really help you get a deeper understanding of abortion activism and helps you find your place in the movement. Each episode has a different focus, patient support, clinic support, legislative and policy work, and direct action. And also, we open the entire series with a conversation about reproductive justice. Now, I want to make an important point to you. The goal with Operation Save Abortion is not to overwhelm you with everything that needs to be done. It's designed to give you a meaty orientation of what needs to be done so that you can learn about all the opportunities available and then choose which of these opportunities inspire you and that are compatible with your capacity to give time and to what's available in your area. Now, the first episode in the series, as I said, is about reproductive justice. And it's first intentionally, as we want you to learn about reproductive justice so you can root your activism in this framework and use that lens in every conversation and brainstorming session you have during this series and in all of your activism. The Operation Save Abortion series wants to take you beyond the march. As we like to say, you go to a march, but you build a movement. And this series wants to do the latter. So. Let's set some expectations. As I said, each episode is a broad overview. We're in it for the long game. So if you're looking for deep dives into specific areas where abortion advocacy intersects with other activism, like gender inclusion, disability and abortion rights, and white supremacy and abortion, there will be subsequent conversations and workshops on those and a variety of specific topics. So if it's trainings you're seeking say on self-managed abortion or safety protocols online and in-person doing direct actions, you won't be hearing those in this series. But here's what's cool. We have an activist calendar posted in the show notes and at operationsaveabortion.com. It's chock full of workshops, seminars, and actions and activities that will give you deeper dives into these specific areas and so many more. Plus, you can always listen to our regular podcast, Feminist Buzzkills Live, because we 
always do deep dives into those issues and will continue to do focused episodes on many specific areas of abortion justice and the intersections of so many issues. So make sure you like and subscribe to Feminist Buzzkills Live wherever you listen. After listening to the series, if you want to go deeper than just choosing events from the activist calendar, we will connect you to specific providers and patient advocacy groups in your area. But in order to do this, we require a vetting process. Why? Because we need to protect our movement from anti-abortion extremists who infiltrate and want to do harm to providers and patients. And it's really important that we make sure we know who you are and that you are here for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. So once we vetted you, we'll connect you to the groups who need your help. If you want to be vetted, you can check out the vetting form at Operation Save Abortion and also in our show notes. Now, And this is really important. Everything right now is absolute chaos. And you may not hear from organizations that you want to give your time to right away. So in the meantime, really utilize the activist calendar because it's full of amazing opportunities to get active and make change. Remember, we all need to be patient because this is a long-term commitment. So I'm going to give you some tips on how to make your activity sessions great. After you've listened to an episode, take notes during the episode. Super important because you'll be discussing your aha moments during the episode. So you want to write them down to bring them up in the discussions. You'll see that you need a whiteboard for your discussions. Make sure that when you write on that, take photos before you erase it and email them to yourself and your friends so you can further your discussions. And also make sure you check out the toolkits in the show notes. Make sure you download them before you start listening. Have a great time. Really, this is just the beginning of you building community and becoming the activist that you want to see. The panel's going to talk to you about ways you can support clinics financially to help them stay open, helping them with smaller obstacles they face, escorting patients, and showing love to their staff and to them to celebrate their presence in your community. Because they're small businesses doing dope-ass work in your community. We need more of them in your community not less, so let's hear from them. So, the moderator, wait, she's all the way from the last panel. It's very exciting. You met her from Feminist Women's Health Center, the executive director there, Kwajalein Jackson. Take it, Kwaj! Thank you, Liz. And thank you to everybody for um, joining today, for sticking with it. There's so much more to come, so I'm just thrilled for how much you're going to get out of today's program. Again, I'm Kwajalein Jackson, Executive Director of Feminist Women's Health Center. And as the director of an independent abortion provider, I am overjoyed to be moderating this panel with these amazing advocates. We're going to learn about what an independent abortion provider is, what makes that work distinct, and what supporting independent clinics really looks like. What are the ways that we can do it in a way that is helpful and not creating more work for the indie providers. So I want to first throw it to Dr. Deshaun Taylor to introduce herself and her clinic, and we'll go through all the panelists introducing themselves, and we'll get into the conversation. Thank you, Kwajalein. So I am Dr. Deshaun Taylor. I am an obstetrician gynecologist and the owner and primary provider at Desert Star Family Planning in Phoenix, Arizona. We have been operating for nine years in Arizona, and we provide abortion care up through the legal limit, medical and surgical, and also provide general gynecology care, gender-affirming hormone therapy, um, birth control, STI treatment. Basically, all the things that Indies do, because we are small businesses, as Liz said, in our communities, and we meet the need. 
Amanda? Oh, thanks, Kajalin. Hi, I'm Amanda Kifferly, and I'm the Vice President for Abortion Access with the Women's Centers. We have five clinics in four states, and we're able to also provide care to the state limit, and we are part of your community, and we relish that. We love being the indie place to go, so I'm really excited to talk more about our work today. Wonderful. Um, Jay? Yeah. Hey, I'm Jay Thibodeau. I use she, her pronouns. I am the communications director at Abortion Care Network. Um, we're not a clinic. We are a network of independent clinics and allies who support them. Um, we work at the national level. We're a membership-based organization. We're a nonprofit. Um, and we try to really show up and um, not just support clinics and give them resources, anything from like small business supports financial sustainability supports. Um, we have a program for mental health and wellness. We work, I'm the comms director, so we do communications and narrative work. Um, but we're also, we really try to be a, state, a space to bring people together, to build connections, to make space to listen to each other, listen specifically to indie clinics and the people who work there. Um, and to, you know, to build leadership within our movement and within our networks. Um, and it's a really special place. It's, you know, we're the only, we're the only organization dedicated just to indie clinics. Um, but with that ally membership too, um, it means that we can kind of bring together and convene folks working in all different parts of the movement. So I'm excited to talk to more about like, there's a place to plug in. There's so many places to plug in um, and listen to indies. And I will say one thing, I'm gonna say the word providers a lot. And when I say providers, I mean anyone working in a clinic, making that clinic run. We love like our physicians and clinicians are so incredible. We need them so much. And we also need the people who are doing billing and answering the phones um, and doing that advocacy work. So just a note on that language. Thank you so much, yeah. Jay. And Kristen. I am Kristen Haiti. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I have two roles. I am the clinic escort coordinator at Toledo Women's Center in Toledo, Ohio, our scrappy indie clinic that <laughs> It's just kept going. And I am also the community engagement coordinator with a little organization you may have heard of, Abortion Access Front. So I feel super lucky to be here and represent both of those. Fantastic. Thank you all so much. Um, I want to get into what is an independent abortion provider? Can Dr. Taylor, can you talk a little bit about what makes indie providers distinct and a little bit about what clinics need as support from our communities? So this question I love to answer because <laughs> in the state of Arizona, we have a large presence of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood's been around for a very long time and we all stand with Planned Parenthood, of course. However, over the course of time, Desert Star came onto the scene nine years ago, and I opened the clinic during the time where actually abortion access was decreasing in the state um, with all of the restrictions that have passed every single year except for one since 2009 in Arizona. Um, independent abortion providers became even more important um, in our state. And so what's really nice about being a smaller entity is the nimbleness. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you, the community has a need and you can just meet with community, uh, 
do the analysis, figure it out, and give the community what they need, as opposed to having to have protocols changed and, and stand within certain guidelines. And of course, we have guidelines we follow. There are best practices to provide abortion care. Of course. But what we're able to do is really meet community need um, quicker when things are changing. And we're scrappy. It's we're small. It's like we we are in the community. Um, we're meeting with community members. They're not just our patients, but they're our staff. And it is just an awesome opportunity to to be really kind of grassroots in in the activities that we're doing, not just providing care, but advocating as well. So it's 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 been awesome. Amazing. And Amanda, you talked about having uh, locations in four different states. Can you talk a little bit about what independent providers look like at the women's centers? Yeah, thank you, Kajalan, and thank you, Doctor. Um, I am thinking about us, and I think big indie energy. Um, we are so happy to be in um, four different states. So we provide care in Atlanta. We provide care in New Jersey. We have two clinics in Pennsylvania. And then we also have a clinic in Hartford, Connecticut. And the Women's Centers has been providing care um, since before Roe, you know, um, and we're part of the community. You know, we're it always reminds me of Sesame Street, where we are the people in your neighborhood. Yes. Right? What is that? That's yeah, great. it's so true because people know us because they work at our clinics, right? And then they also brought their sister to our clinic, or we've just been a part of their neighborhood, so they're used to us. I like to think of us when I explain it to my friends or new people. I'm like, we're Etsy. Um, we're your favorite indie record shop. We're your favorite coffee shop that doesn't look like the one down the street. We're the cool kids, you know, we, we think outside of the box, we're nimble, we're scrappy, um, and we enjoy being able to help patients who otherwise get turned away from some of those other clinics. Um, we love the opportunity to work with people and we provide care up to the state limit. We're growing our practice to help accommodate travelers and we look forward to that type of work. Um, when I think about the great people I get to work with, I just think how amazing they are and our hearts, you know, are so full because we love the work we're doing. And it's so impactful on a daily basis that when you reflect back on just what we've been able to do since the row leak, it's incredible. Um, it's been a real joy to be able to do that. And we do provide care to everyone. And, you know, sometimes that does mean we do care for 10 year olds. More often than not, mm -hmm. we are helping people in your family. Yeah. So when people say, we provide abortions uh, for one out of four women, that doesn't mean it skips anyone that you know, okay? That means <laughs> the people in your PTA. That means mm -hmm. your baseball coach. That's right. That's your Pilates mm -hmm. instructor. And sometimes it's even the girl from Wharton who has a really great art collection. You know, it is all of those people. <laughs> and each one of those people gets our hearts. They get everything and they get great care. Even the protesters sure get good do. care with us. Mm -hmm. So yep. I think people are always like fascinated by our ability to be so caring and to maintain such great standards of care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Managing independent clinics is like beautiful and exhilarating and complicated and difficult work. I know at Feminist Center, we have a lot of challenges trying to make sure that we are keeping our equipment up to date, making sure the facility is, um, you know, the air conditioning is working and the roof doesn't <laughs> leak, um, that we're, we're managing all of the protester activity. We are trying to keep our phones ringing um, 
all of these things that are just a part of running a business, but also the complexity of working in, the, in this industry. I want to turn it to Jay to talk a little bit more about how Abortion Care Network works to support some of the like complicated work of running a, of independent providers. Yeah. Can I say a couple more things about indies? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can okay. on us all day. <laughs> Big indie energy. Well, first of all, I used to work in an independent clinic. I had my abortion at an independent clinic. My my mama is a nurse at an independent clinic. I like indies have my whole heart, and I'm just it's a thrill and a and a pleasure to be up here with you all. I want to say a couple more things because one thing that ACN does is this national landscapes uh, report every year. It's called Communities Need Clinics. It's on our website. We'll make sure you have the links. Um, and what we do is we look at every single clinic. We call, we work with um, the incredible folks at INeedAn.com, and we call every clinic every year and say, are you open? What, how far into pregnancy do you provide care? Are you doing telemedicine? Tell us more about what you do. Are you a nonprofit or a for-profit? A lot of people don't realize most indies are small businesses, not necessarily nonprofits, although many are. Um, so a couple big things I just want to say before I jump in to keep our clinics is that there are just as many independent clinics in this country as Planned Parenthood. So we're not talking about, even though indies are often small and they don't have a lot of name recognition, I want to look at you guys. <laughs> um, there are just as many indie clinics in this country as there are Planned Parenthood. So um, they need they need all the support they can get. Um, they provide the majority of care, though. So even though it's about half the clinics, most abortions, three out of five abortions, are happening at indie clinics. Um, and then, Kwajan, I'm sure you're going to talk about this more. I'm sure we all could. But I just want to mention, too, like, if abortion is 100% of what you do, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's amazing. And a lot of these clinics are providing tons of care. Dr. Taylor is doing that. I know like many, many clinics are providing everything from abortions to birth control to trans and gender affirming hormone therapy to prep. That's, you know, I, um, I say that not because, um, not to sort of justify abortion in that scheme, but because these are the services our communities need. That's so right, Dr. Yes. Taylor heard, this is part of being nimble, right? We heard from our communities, they need this. So we're doing that. So one thing I want to say is I'm going to, I'm going to make sure Kwajalein gets to say this because I always hear from her, but you can go get care at an indie clinic, even if you don't need an abortion right now, even if you never need an abortion, um, you can go get your care there. So I hope you'll say that more because I learned that from, I, I got that from Kwajalein. Let me take a sip. Does anyone else for <laughs> No problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to learn a little bit more about what ACN does. Okay. I mean, I, Kristen, you already talked about that you wear two hats. Um, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the ways that you are organizing volunteers in both of those spheres? Yes. Um, so the first way I came into abortion was I actually read a Jezebel article. It Ooh. was about a clinic escort somewhere else who was being doxxed and harassed, and they were going to her work and trying to get her fired. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. And <laughs> sign, me up. sign me up. Here we are. And that was about eight years. And honestly, clinic escorting has just been the gateway into everything else. It's really eye-opening. When you go to a clinic and you see what a patient has to deal with, um, we are all adults. We are all humans who are able to think and reason on our own. And we have made the decision to go to a clinic if we are pregnant. If we don't want to be pregnant, we're going to get abortion care. And there are these people on the sidewalks that are yelling at you. 
They are shaming and harassing you. They're calling you murderers. Um, every phobia and ism, homophobia and queerphobia and sexism, like the Venn diagram of <laughs> anti-abortion, all of these things is just a circle. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so it's really this gauntlet of fear that patients are forced to walk through. Some clinics might have a couple of protesters. Some clinics might have a couple hundred. Uh, and it's infuriating. And so when you go to the clinic and you escort patients, you really see this other side, you know, anti-abortion factions try to paint protesters as just these sweet little old nun ladies (laughs) who are just there to be the nicest people in the world. Um, But you, they aren't showing the people that are calling you murderers and, um, you know, telling you that you're going to die and you're going to kill people. And it's it's heartbreaking. So clinic escorts, we there is a wonderful nonprofit out there called the Clinic Vest Project that provides clinic escort vests to nearly all the escort groups in the country. And there are these bright neon, beautiful uniforms that we put on. And we just it's really simple. We stand outside the clinics and when patients pull up, we present a safe welcome to them to the clinic. It's like a beacon of hope through all of the bullshit that's on the sidewalk and yeah. being thrown at mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And it's really, it's maybe 30 seconds of conversation. You know, it's, hi, I'm with the clinic. I'd be happy to walk you up to the door. They're protesters. You don't have to speak to them if you don't want to. And we'll get you inside where it's quiet, safe, and calm. And that's it. And well, you don't do it for the thanks, but patients are so grateful for someone there that is safe and they know they can trust. And beyond that, for a long time, clinic escorts have been kind of the first line of defense at clinics. And it's really something that's not recognized a lot. We know our protesters. We know who they are. We know what they do. We know what they're capable of. We know every person on our sidewalks. Um, And so if you're thinking about being a clinic escort, escort or a clinic defender. Um, One, amazing, that's great, but don't just show up to the clinic. (laughs) Um, Even very well-meaning and well-intentioned pro-abortion people on our sidewalk that are unknown, that presents an additional safety risk. So get a hold of clinic escorts, get a hold of the group, Um, talk to the clinic if you can, if they're doing that, because we train our volunteers. Mm -hmm. We vet our volunteers. There are people out there who do not have our best interests in mind, to put it mildly, and they want to do us harm. And the anti-abortion movement is a violent movement, um, full stop. So we vet, we train, we want to have you, but also just be a little patient, Mm -hmm. as everyone on this stage can talk about. As soon as the political article dropped. And as soon as Dobbs went down, I mean, everyone's just been slammed and inundated and we're all at max capacity. So be patient, give everybody time. Um, And then as Abortion Access Front, we exist to really support indie clinics in whatever ways 
y'all need. Um, we're not here to tell you what you want. We're not here to tell you what you need. If you tell us that your staff is at capacity and exhausted and you want a hot tub party in the parking lot, <laughs> we'll throw you a hot tub party in the parking lot. And we it's did. True. Yes, and that's true. Yeah, it was great. You wanted to meet your community. We came and threw a block party. We packed book bags full of supplies for the neighborhood children. We brought bounce houses. Um, we responded to that need. And that is my absolute favorite part of the job and what we do is just listening to what you all want and doing whatever we can to meet those needs. Thanks. It's amazing. Um, oh, um, Amanda or Dr. Taylor, you want to talk about like what volunteers have meant for your clinic? What escorts, have, what difference they've made to the environment at your clinics? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, exactly what Kristen said. We threw the best barbecue in our parking lot in Atlanta, thanks to Abortion Access Front. Um, it was amazing to be able to do that. And we just straight partied in our parking lot. And I think the best thing that AAF does is validate us as real humans, um, it's not often enough that we get recognized as healthcare workers and members of the community who just want to help. We are helpers at the very basic Mr. Rogers level. You know, we're there to make sure people are safe and having access to um, abortion care that feels dignified and is done carefully and with compassion. So our escorts who show up with smiles, it's worth a million dollars because you're just not met with a smile enough in this world. Yes. And on it's all true. the days, you know, let's have a smile before we get in. But I mean, for us, I think AAF has been able to validate me as a human and it lets me feel that I am not alone in this work. And being able to connect, thanks to ACN, with so many other indies like Kwajalein, um, we get to talk and feel again, just like we are people. You know, we have families. We have friends that we're neglecting this summer. We really <laughs> yes. want to be at the beach with you. Um, we don't mean to not reply to your text. That's right. We're so yeah. sorry. Yeah. We're not okay. No, I, I really not. do love my cat. She's very angry with me because I'm not petting her enough right now, but it's not my fault. Um, and it's thanks to folks, you know, like you all here, um, that has allowed us to get through this. It's been exhausting. And one of my colleagues said, just ask them. Just please tell them to be patient with us mm -hmm. in these. We want more community support. And I know that because of the work AAF is doing today, we are going to be able to get more volunteers. We're going to be able to get really crucial donations. And the Women's Centers is going to be able to work with AAF to train up a whole bunch of new folks to enhance what we're doing for our community and make patient experiences wonderful. And also, again, validate the work of people like Dr. Taylor. Yes. Yeah, thanks. There are a few key words that have come up that I wanted to address. Um, one is dignity. Mm -hmm. um, what the Abortion Access Front was able to help my clinic with was we were fighting with management for the terrible flooring in the suite. They just would not replace floors, it, and it was terrible. Every time there was a storm, there was more water damage to the floors. And so uh, Abortion Access Front has their, I think twice a year, they'll reach out like, what you need? Um, <laughs> what do you need? I was like, we need floors and a bunch of other things. But right now we really need floors. And they were like, okay, well, let's do the floors. Oh, and a procedure table um, and some other things. <laughs> 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 and 
they raised the money for the floors. Amazing. In like less, I would say honestly, that those donors that that they have access to, um, I was just shocked at how quickly the money was raised. I think not honestly, not even a month it took to raise that money for the floor. <laughs> that was actually when I was hired into Abortion Access Front. That was one of the first things yeah. that I was able to do in my role, and it yeah. was so yeah, amazing. I, I tell it come you, together. like I, it, I, I tear up thinking about it because I swear to you, I bought those, um, you know, the thing that you're actually supposed to use to roll your chair across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I had them all over the place oh. over the, like the major defects. Right. Yeah. Because right. the thing is our patients deserve yes. that part yes. to go to a place that, that shows them that, that we care about them, that we care about what your space looks like. Right. And like that staff. you're not, right? And that the yeah. staff feel good. Like when you have patients taking selfies in the lobby, <laughs> you know you're doing something yes. right, right? Yes. Like, yes. You know, and, and when people give reviews, they talk about how clean the space is, how bright, you awesome. know, like mm-hmm. people care about that. Mm-hmm. You care about that when you go to your doctor for anything else. Why wouldn't you care about that when you're going to your uh, abortion provider? Like our patients deserve that yeah. from us. Yeah. And Abortion Access Front helps us deliver those things. Oh, it's yeah. so important. I mean, I one of the like, characteristics of independent providers we, we've talked about already, small, scrappy, sometimes significantly under-resourced. We are working with the thinnest of margins because we want to make sure that abortion care is affordable to our communities. We know the people that we're serving. And so we, we don't have huge discretionary budgets that would allow for us to really invest in our businesses in the ways that we want to. But in addition to Abortion Access Front, there's also Abortion Care Network that helps to fill in the gaps, that helps yeah. independent providers make things happen. Can you talk a little bit more about Keep Our Clinics? Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about Keep Our Clinics. So um, Keep Our Clinics is a fund that is run by Abortion Care Network because we're a nonprofit. You can donate to Keep Our Clinics and it can be tax deductible. Um, and really what was happening was Indies were going to the Supreme Court over and over. If you look at any of the big abortion cases at the Supreme Court in the last decade, it's Whole Women's Health, it's Hope Medical Group, which you may know as June Medical, and it was Jackson Women's Health Organization. Indies keep going to bat. They keep fighting in from, from city halls to state houses to the Supreme Court. Um, but by that by virtue of being indies, you guys don't have the same name recognition, right? And when these big events and news stories hit, people think of Planned Parenthood. They didn't have, we didn't have really sort of a centralized way to say, like, just give to indies. So we started to keep our clinics, um, which, again, it's a fund you can donate through Abortion Care Network, but every single dollar goes directly to independent clinics, and the clinics tell us what they need, right? So they say to us, I, I wish we had more money, so... If you're out there and you want to donate, do. Um, but we take the money we have and then indie clinics say, like, I need a roof. I need a parking lot. I need hazard pay because COVID hit and we had to double our hours to keep people spaced. Um, we need to pay our lawyers, right? We need to talk to our community. So keep our clinics. Um, you know, Quadrilin said this, but... Indies work so hard to keep the cost of care as affordable as possible for patients. And it's still inaccessible, right? We know even if, and give to funds. We love abortion funds. Indies and funds are They're coming friends. next. <laughs> yeah. um, but even if 
Medicaid-covered abortion and every insurance-covered abortion and every abortion was funded through abortion funds, clinics still need floors. They still need roofs. They still need parking lots. They still need to pay staff well. We want people doing this work to make not just a living wage. Like, you guys are... Can I swear? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking incredible. And I, so, and I always say, you know, I'm a comms person, so wording matters to me. And, you know, no shade to people who say tireless, but like, Andy's are tired. Like, this isn't tireless. They are, what they are is relentless. They are relentless and they are creative. Um, And I love how much you all, like, put your patients first, even listening, like, patients deserve these floors. Like, staff, you guys deserve nice floors. And good pay and um so so give to keep our clinics this is all somebody put that in the chat (laughs) (laughs) i think there's probably more to say i you know we um nothing feels better than sending a bunch of money to an indie clinic so if that's something that you have the means to do please do it and we'll give you more I'll, i'll definitely give you some free uh ways to take action too but keep our clinics is um is something that we are just so honored and thrilled to be a part of and something that we love to be able to work with. Again, listen to Indies. You guys told us, you tell us what you need and we'll, we're going to keep working on hustling to get the money. Yes. Yeah. I think all of us could talk exhaustively about the many ways that Abortion Care Network and Abortion Access Front have supported our clinics and our, our clinic staff uh, tremendously. I want to talk a little bit quickly because the audience of this program are interested in plugging in. They want work to do. Um, so I want to go back to Dr. Taylor and Amanda to talk about like how coordinating volunteers um, can be challenging um, and what kind of help you need. We've heard about clinic escorting, but are there other kinds of ways that people can support your clinic um, if they're interested in plugging in? I'll go ahead first. So, uh, first. <laughs> <laughs> so my clinic is... Um, um, I've honestly been understaffed um, for going on 11 months now. And uh, I get a lot of volunteer requests for Desert Star, but it is very intensive to train people mm-hmm. to help with the clinic. So it's not, although it's appreciated, it's not very helpful when people can just kind of pop in every once in a while. So, you know, for for us, we thankfully don't, have a huge protester presence. So uh, clinic escorting is not something um, that that we need, but we actually need like actual support in the clinic, like helping us get the patients seen. Um, and some of the other administrative type of things that are required to actually run the clinic. And so, and then there's also um, patient support. Um, you know, we don't have enough staff to hold hands in the clinic um, and sit with people. So those type of things are actually something that um, our clinic could use. Um, but definitely, um you want to uh, be able to provide a little bit more of your time on a more consistent basis to make it worthwhile for us to take the time to train you to help us out. So I just wanted to, to shout that out. 
I think one of the things that we probably all want to say is, please just know we're doing abortions. Um, we're open. So wherever it's possible, in any state that's possible, we are helping patients and we're seeing them to the state's uh, fullest capacity. So I want to make sure everyone knows the best way to help us out is to spread the word. Tell patients, tell friends, put reviews up about our clinics that are positive and help folks to know about us. It's extremely important that people know our advertising budgets are really small. So it's by word of mouth that people know where to get a good abortion. So it's important for me to make sure everyone knows that when you go to the Women's Center's website, you can get our phone numbers. We have a call center open seven days a week, and we are completely dedicated to booking patients. We're trying not to book patients out three weeks. We're trying to see people uh, 24 hours after they call, if that's what the state allows. And we're really looking to make sure that our number one thing, helping patients, is getting done. Um, the next thing is um, please sign up to be um, a volunteer escort. And I'm so excited because I'm just going to help make sure that AAF is going to take on all of these new applicants, <laughs> train them up, and send them my way because that is an incredible service. And uh, I couldn't be more lucky to be associated with a group that can do that. Well, we love you all. So <laughs> it's great for us to be able to do that. <laughs> I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about if people are interested in plugging into a clinic, escorting um, where they live, how can they find clinics? How can they get connected with clinics that they can volunteer their escorting and get vetted there? Absolutely. A lot of clinics already have established escort or defender groups. Um, I think especially in the last couple of years, more of us have also started social media profiles. Um, that's never been my forte, but it has been the best way to get people. So one, just look. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for these things and people just kind of dive headfirst in without stopping to think, is there something already established? Is this already happened? And how can I plug into the work already being done? So just literally a basic search, Google, the social medias, perfect. If you don't see anything, then, you know, you can send an email to the clinic, but make sure it's not like the patient hot, don't call their patient hotlines. <laughs> don't call their, their nurse hotlines. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that has happened. Like this is for patients. Um, sir, this is not a Wendy's. Please hang up. Um, <laughs> so just, and, and be patient. Sometimes that clinic is probably getting 50, 100 emails. And if they don't get back to you, then you can try some of your other, their local and state-based advocacy organizations who may be able to tell you like, well, they don't have an escort group. Some clinics don't want them. And it's really important that you respect the wishes of whatever the clinic decides is best for itself. Some clinics might not want volunteers. They might not want escorts because they understand their layouts better than anyone else. And there are always going to be a plethora of ways to get involved. Um, so yes, check for the groups. If it's the clinic has an accessible email that's not patient-based, you can try that and then other advocacy orgs. They're okay. usually in the know. I mean, I think the watchword for this particular panel is just 
why guess when you could ask? <laughs> I said it in the last one. I'm going to say it again. I just feel like that is an important thing. Yeah. Like we want to help people in the ways that they want to be helped. We want to check in. We don't want to make any assumptions about what people need. We want to just ask them. Mm -hmm. And if they say no, we want to accept that and find another way. Um, and that likely, if there's an idea that you had, somebody has probably also had that idea. So connect with them <laughs> and build together. There's already established work. So we're going to talk more about the other resources like abortion funds that people can plug more into. But I want to just have this uh, final question. How can people connect with the clinic? So I know, Kristen, you said sometimes find following them on social media. Sometimes there might be um, an email address that is for the community. But I'm curious from the providers, if you talk a little bit about how you would like people to approach getting connected with the clinic. Straight up thewomencenters.com. Um, we try to make everything easy to um, use right there. So we have places for you to input your information so that you can sign up to get on our blasts, so that you can find out information about any community events that we're doing. Um, special call outs will be done that way. It allows us the opportunity to remind folks to get out the vote. Um, it helps us to communicate and tell you about things that are happening right then and right there. Again, you can also donate there, um, and you can also figure out ways where you can join with ACN in order to send out, like, sweet notes. You know, it's a really great thing to get a thank you note from someone. Um, it's really nice um, to get that kind of communication from people. And whenever possible, keep telling your friends about us and helping us to post great reviews about the work that we're doing mm. online. So I wanted to, although I am one, I'm one of the um, ACN member clinics in, in, in Arizona, and Arizona is a hot spot for extremists to have conferences. And so one thing that people can do is uh, become legal observers. Ooh, um, the Feminist line. Majority Great. Foundation um, trains people. They keep us up. They let us know when extremists are coming to town. And so then we put a call out um, for people to be trained to be legal observers, and they take shifts at the different independent clinics. The other important thing is and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. But, oh, so I don't like the term for-profit because as Kwajalein mentioned, a lot of our independent clinics that are taxable entities um, run on very slim margins. Um, and so... Uh, Desert Star also has a sister nonprofit through which a lot of our community activities run through. That's Desert Star Institute for Family Planning. And so we do have an email list that we uh, do partner community events with. So definitely you can get signed up for that. And the clinic is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Very different personalities on all the different <laughs> platforms. <laughs> but people access us through uh, direct messaging on all of those platforms and also on our clinic website, desertstarfp.com. Um, you send leave a message there and it comes into our, our email. I totally forgot. Adopt a clinic. Yes. You, ha you have to talk about that because that's been really amazing. Oh, it's uh, one of my favorite programs that we do, actually. I think sometimes a lot of big organizations can kind of come in and say, this is what we're going to do, this is what you need, and this is how it is. That's not how we wanted to approach it. So we routinely reach out to indie clinics, and literally all we do is, what do you need? And we're talking things like a lot of clinics provide um, after-abortion care packages, or 
maybe their staff is is burnt out and they want snacks or lunch. Or if you see a lot of patients that are having transportation problems, maybe they want gift cards. And so what we do is we ask clinics for all of these things. It's really just shoot for the moon, let us know. And then it's as simple as creating an Amazon wish list. <laughs> and then we take these lists and we push them out on our socials. We send them out in our emails. And Anybody across the country can just buy the clinic whatever they need. <laughs> it's it's so simple, but it's so helpful for uh, just a number of clinics. I mean, sometimes we can sell out on our wish lists in a day or two, and it's like, well, do you need anything else? <laughs> We're kind of out here, like, uh, and that's always accessible for people. So maybe they don't need volunteers, maybe they don't need escorts, but maybe they have their favorite ballpoint pen because everybody in an office <laughs> yes, has a favorite pen one. So true. It's very true. <laughs> I keep a list, like, I know what you want, Dorothy. Um, and you can buy that, and that's always accessible for us. We are constantly sending it out on our social media. So maybe you skip a coffee this month or you just save up a few dollars and you give directly to the clinics what they need. It's really a beautiful system. It's fantastic. I think this whole day is intended to show folks all of the different ways that they can plug into this work, that you don't necessarily have to have one specific level of expertise um, if being able to spend money is the best way for you to support this work, if showing up and standing in the gap is the best way for you to support this work. If you are wanting to make cupcakes for the movement, then bake cupcakes for the movement. There is a way that you can use your existing gifts, talents, time, and energy in order to support abortion access and reproductive justice. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? You absolutely can. Okay. This is for people who don't maybe, you don't, maybe you don't have money right now, maybe you don't have patience, whoever you are, if it is safe for you on your computer or your phone, find a clinic. Go to www.ineedana.com to find a clinic in the U.S. You can text 202-883-4620. Text hello. You will get the closest three clinics to you. You will also get a link to abortion funds. If you don't have patience right now and you want to do something now and you can't wait to escort, send that information to everyone you love, everyone you care about, and say, here is how you find a clinic if you ever need one. I love you. I am here for you. I am a safe person to talk to. Save that contact information. Find a clinic. You won't know if you need a clinic until you do. You don't know who in your life needs to hear that you're a safe person. So I just had to get that information so you all know how to find a clinic anywhere you are in the U.S. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Kristen. This has been wonderful and rich. I hope that everybody finds their indie clinic. Yes. Um, and we're ready to pass it back to Liz. We are ready to pass it back to me. This is, remember when I'm like, did you download the activities guide? Well, as you go into the break, which we're about to go into, we have an entire exercise for you that involves the website INeedAnA.com so you Look can learn about it. We're here. We want you to. I know a lot of you are like, what can I do right at this minute? First of all, get vetted, right? We explained why you need to get vetted. So right in the link, folks, so that you can get connected. But until then, the Adopt-A-Clinic program, amazing. Keep our clinics, which, which ACN is spearheading, they are looking at these big, giant other ways. And follow Abortion Access from because what we do is 
We have small projects that come up constantly that we can in turn take you and help you do that. There is tons of ways. Also, and this is crucial, we have our activist calendar live at Operation Save Abortion com right now. You can look at that calendar. It's full of public events. It's full of things that you can do and that you can do safely. So right now, there are those things and everything everybody said here. But truth be told, it feels like you want to do everything, right? And you want to do everything right now. We as a movement have been watching this happen, trying to plan for it and have in a lot of ways done our best. But the depravity with which anti-abortion forces are trying to steal your bodily autonomy is 24 seven, 365. And I think I can speak for everybody that you're gonna hear from today that we underestimated the lack of humanity being shown by these people who purport to care about life. They have gone deeper, they have found ways, and they work constantly. And so the reason that we're trying to be deliberate and thoughtful is that as these folks work, they're realizing what they need. One of the things that becomes incredibly hard when you want to do all the good and all the work and all the right now is it can be messy and harmful if we tell you to do something and the clinic's like, wait, we haven't even figured out how we need it. So patients, go to that activist calendar, sign up on the volunteer link because I can't say it enough. We can't burn out. We have to stay in this. It's already a shit show. The tsunami of shit is coming. Still coming. Mm -hmm. So we gotta build the suits for it, (laughs) the shit that's gonna keep it off of us, and we have to listen. And sometimes we can only learn and we have to wait for things to evolve. So there's ways to get involved now. You can always reach out to Abortion Care Network. You can always reach out to Abortion Access Front. If you're like, what do I do right now? We'll give you something to do right now. That activist calendar is gonna be E for you. So trust these folks. Because they're the ones we're protecting and they're the ones who are doing that. So you're going to go into your breakout session right now. There is so much in your breakout session that you should probably read it first and see what you want to tackle. But really do some investigating with the I need an aid.com exercise with Googling where is there an abortion clinic in my area. Have conversations. And here's what I want you to think about. Abortion activism isn't doing something for people who provide care that's out of the realm of your own skill set. I want you to have a conversation before you go about what is it you're good at? What is it that comes easy to you and that you can sustain when you're busy? And try to help everybody figure that out and how that can be applied to the work facilitating these folks. So thank you, panel. You are incredible. Thank you. Okay, guys, it's Liz again. How awesome was that panel? Amazing, right? So now it's activity time. Again, the activity guide, if you haven't downloaded it, it's your Bible for the day. Get it now. You can find it in the show notes or at operationsaveabortion.com. The tools in it include discussion prompts so you can give you some things to think about and talk about, some brainstorming questions, and a quick action to help you understand the session's topic a bit more. So have fun in these discussions. Be bold. You are organizers and change makers now, and we're so excited you're participating. So before I go and before you dive in, a couple of things. Make sure you plan 
for your next listening party before you leave today. It's crucial to stay engaged and hold each other accountable. And also make sure you get vetted so you can really get to the big work. And don't forget, the vetting form is at operationsaveabortion.com and also in the show notes. Lastly, I just want to give thanks to all the panelists and participants in this series who gave their time to make this happen. I want to thank Ted Nelson of USTV and the incredible team he put together who donated their time, the Dream Team at Abortion Access Front who made this event happen, the volunteers who worked tirelessly and gave of all of their time, and to you for deciding to give of yourself at this crucial moment. You know, we at FBK Live and Abortion Access Front are here for you as we navigate these dark days, and we want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. We are in this together. We got you and we all should have each other. You can continue to support Feminist Buzzkills Live and the special series we do like Operation Save Abortion in a few simple ways. Subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up with all the latest on reproductive rights news, follow Abortion Access Front on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and at Abortion Access Front on YouTube. YouTube and TikTok. FBK Live is edited by Remy DeTarnay and is a production of Abortion Access Front and MSW Media. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy this series and get the most out of it. And I can't wait to see you out here making a difference in these reproductive streets.